Basketball is a highly competitive sport, popular across the globe. There are two big dreams for any basketball player. One is to play in the NBA, the other to play for their home country in the Olympics. Almost every player, however, starts off at the grassroots level, playing high school basketball. For many of them, the goal is to be good enough to make the next step to make a college team. A goal which, in and of itself, is highly competitive, as each school holds only so many open spots each year. Today's subject follows two young men on their journey for this goal from their discovery in eighth grade all the way through to their senior year and the recruiting step of college. It's a documentary that has broken ground and inspired so many others in its wake. So if you're like me and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a mug of hot coffee from our friends at Top of the Morning Coffee. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. For all the college basketball fans out there, it's that time of year again. March Madness is the annual college basketball tournament, pitting 64 universities against one another, with only one emerging victorious. It's a time for fans to watch the sport they love, celebrate the victories, and cope with the losses. After all, it is a competition, and whether you watch every game, root for your alma mater, or just fill out the bracket for bragging rights, or just for fun, there's something out there for just about everybody. When you boil it all down though, it's the athletes competing on the court, game after game, that make things interesting. Each member of the team leaving it all out there to bring glory to their school and recognition to their name. There is some competition outside of the game, though, that might be the most competitive aspect overall, and one that happens way before the tournament even begins. I'm talking, of course, about the recruitment process, and our subject today shows us all sides of that process, from high school to college. It's through that recruitment process, in fact, where our subject today begins. One of the earliest points in the movie is meeting not a college, but a high school recruiter named Earl Smith. The film crew is following him to make a movie about how basketball is played in inner city Chicago. 
At one point, he begins commenting about a young man and how he plays. He says, I will buy you a steak dinner that in about four years, you're going to hear that kid's name. I don't even know anything about him. Soon after that, we see him talking to the young man, whose name is Arthur, and his family, and taking them to a high school tryout. And our journey begins to unfurl before us. Hoop Dreams is a documentary directed by Steve James. In it, we follow two boys, Arthur Agee and William Gates, who have aspirations of playing college and hopefully professional basketball. The film follows them over the course of several years from 8th grade through high school and into college. When we first meet Arthur and William, they are two inner-city kids who play ball and have big dreams of going pro. While others recognize and support their talents and dreams, the road toward that goal is a bit foggy. That is, until a high school talent scout arrives and sees the two play. Seeing their potential, he recruits them to the school he represents, St. Joseph's High School in Illinois. I word it that way because while both boys live in Chicago, Illinois, the high school of St. Joseph's is an hour and a half journey in one direction. They travel that distance because the program at St. Joseph's is exceptional. One of the school's notable alumni, which we hear often, is Isaiah Thomas, who made the NBA's list of top 50 and top 75 players of all time. The legend had a very real positive effect on Arthur in particular. In an interview with Sports Talk Live, Arthur Agee put this in his own words, stating, We looked up to Isaiah Thomas and Mark Aguirre, the ones who came before us, and, you know, rap hadn't come on the scene that big yet. It was still kind of dormant. But, you know, through sports, football, basketball, baseball, those was the things we looked at you know, to get ourselves a scholarship at a university and hopefully get ourselves to play professionally somewhere in whatever sport it may be. But, you know, Isaiah Thomas was a real big reason why, you know, for me, staying away from certain elements that was in my neighborhood. I was like, if Isaiah Thomas can do it, I know I can do it. One remarkable aspect of hoop dreams is its universality for anyone with a dream not just to play some sort of professional sport but anyone with a dream period i could see myself in arthur and william at least to a point as a kid i wanted to be a professional hockey player and looked up to those playing at the time as icons something to strive for much like arthur describes here with isaiah thomas I'm sure at a certain age, we all have that moment, looking up to the people who we admire and wanting to be like them, wanting to do the same thing that they do, regardless of what that is. And Hoop Dreams does a great job in showing what life is like for an athlete 
who is on the cusp of going somewhere. We not only see their on-court growth, but also the pressures met outside of the court, both internally and externally. We see the pressure from family, who not only want them to succeed, but also want the rub of success. We see the pressure of doing well in school, not just to satisfy graduation, but also any college looking at them. We see the pressure they put on themselves to realize their goals and the goals communicated by those around them. We see the pressure of recruiters visiting them and watching their games, adding pressure to almost every facet. Now, I was never good enough at the sport I love of ice hockey to have been recruited by anybody. That's partly what attracted me to this film. I wanted to get a glimpse of what that process looked like for an athlete. The thing about hoop trims, though, is although that's covered, there's so much more to this story. Is it about basketball? 100%. But there's so much more behind the scenes that we get to see. And I find the daily life more interesting than anything else about this movie. The humanity of it all is incredibly interesting and very impactful. However, in terms of what I was looking for that attracted me to this movie, be it the recruitment process, there's a moment in the film where we get a glimpse of exactly what that looks like. There's a scene in Hoop Dreams where William is visited by the Marquette University coach, Kevin O'Neill. He's there to try and recruit William to play ball next year at Marquette. Now, keep in mind, Hoop Dreams is from 1994, so it was a bit ago. But William's mother sits next to him on the couch as his older brother stands behind him. His high school coach is in a chair adjacent to them as well, showing William support as they listen the man from Marquette speak. With their undivided attention, the Marquette coach says, if you tear your knee out again this year and you can't ever play again, you're going to have your education paid for by Marquette University. Any school worth its salt is going to give you four years. The bottom line is this. We want to win the national title. And number two is this. I want to make you the best player I can and give you an opportunity to maybe someday be one of those guys who goes out and makes some money in Europe or the GBA. You're one of seven guys we're recruiting right now. Seven guys for three spots. As soon as William tells me he's not looking at any other schools, then I'm not looking at any other players. If I tell you that, hey, you're our guy, and this and that, and I lose you to Kansas, Indiana, North Carolina State, or something, I'm out of luck. President saying to me, Kevin, I thought you were recruiting a guard. It's a tough situation, but it's something that has to be done. Whew, boy, no, I don't want to speak for you, but that is some pressure to put on a high school kid. Now, I don't know about yourselves, but when I was in high school, you think you know everything, but in reality, you don't know Jack. When I heard that little monologue that uh, Coach O'Neill had, I thought, holy cow, what a hand to 
to get played. All I have to do is tell this guy I'm not looking at any other schools and my college is paid for and I get to play more ball. If I hold out for someone else though, I might not get that same opportunity. As he said, there was seven players that he's recruiting for only three spots, less than a 50% chance. I imagine for a player who's really good, that decision might be really easy. But for a mid-level player just trying to get in, that is a tough decision to make. I did like the fact, however, that during that time, William had a lot of support around him. And hopefully that's the case in a lot of these situations. That little snippet alone for somebody who really doesn't have too much exposure with college recruitment, that alone was pretty eye-opening. But as eye-opening as that recruiting recruitment process was, what I found in the rest of the film was so much more layered and complex than I could have ever imagined. There are so many layers here that when unpeeled, reveals a commentary on some pretty heavy topics, not just on sport and ambition, but on things like systems, race, and class. During its near three-hour duration, we see so many facets of daily life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We also get to see the work, trials, tribulations, hopes, dreams, sweat, cheers, and tears in reaching for a goal that means so much. What I find so affecting and impactful about this film are the moments that happen off the court, the day-to-day life that exists not just for the two boys, but for the families supporting them as well. All the sacrifices made in time, money, and resources to help someone you love to strive for more. The mothers, particularly in this movie, are pretty incredible. The lengths they go to to help their sons is truly amazing. They assist in any way they can, and often come across strong and able. There are moments, however, when we see the reality of the situation come into play, and it's these moments that can be quite sobering. When the reality of their living situation irks into our mindset, at least for me, so foreign to my existence and the existence I knew growing up. I mean, this is inner city Chicago, so there's a lot of things that growing up in a suburb, I just wasn't really exposed to. But there was one line in particular when Arthur turns 18 that struck me a little bit. His mom is making his favorite food for dinner and dressing a chocolate cake in the kitchen when she says, some kids don't live long enough to see their 18th birthday, so it's worth celebrating. He's here and he made it. And I don't know, the fact that that milestone of he survived to this point really kind of stuck with me. You know, the fact that yeah, I mean, that is that is a milestone to be proud of, that you've reached that goal, but I don't know if I've ever heard it that way in particular. Almost, you know, thankfully he survived everything out there, so to speak. A little later on, we also get a sense of her financial struggles when Arthur is removed from public aid at high school 
for not playing to a level on the basketball team that they deem worth their financial aid. We hear her say, they feel like when they get 18, most of the black kids, they drop out. So that means that the child is just thrown out there. I was getting 368, now I'm getting 268. And that's it. And that's to take care of me for one month to the next. Now, can you imagine someone living off of that? Do you all wonder sometimes how I'm living? Or how do my children survive and how they live in? Now, to put that number into perspective, since 30 years has passed since 1994, 268 per month in today would be about $550 per month to feed yourself, your husband, and two kids. It's not a whole lot of money, plus all the other things you have to pay, bills, rent, etc. And it's moments like that that really make this movie so powerful. The humanity and reality of everyday life that it depicts. This movie is pretty unbelievable in so many ways. You could say that it grew along with its subjects. To explain that a little further, when Steve James began this project, his goal was to make a 30-minute short film about how basketball is played in the inner city. Through filming, it eventually became a full-length feature to be aired on PBS. Then, by its own merit, it was picked up and released in theaters commercially. By the time the crew was done, they had 250 hours of footage, which they somehow edited into the 170-minute duration we have today. When it was ultimately released, it was nominated and won several awards. And we have just exited the season of the Oscars. And the biggest head-scratcher for me is how this wasn't even nominated for Best Documentary Film upon release. Of course, it isn't just me who feels this way. The Academy all but acknowledged this as well when they changed the rules of how documentary films were judged and nominated shortly after. Roger Ebert famously revealed how nominating films used to be done, and it is quite sad in all honesty. It had to do with flashlights, and it's worth a read if you want to check it out. Another party who wasn't happy upon its release to theaters was St. Joseph's High School. In fact, they filed a defamation lawsuit against the film for what they felt was unjust depictions of the school. But the two settled out of court. Hoop Dreams is a masterpiece of documentary filmmaking. It is always at the top of the best documentary films ever made lists with very good reason. When I first saw this movie, I was blown away by the honesty and reality of life foreign to me. It's a film we all can see ourselves in, though, somehow, because it is universal in its humanity. It is, after all, a very human story, 
and one that has amazed and inspired audiences and filmmakers for years, and will continue to do so. Hoop Dreams is a must-see that I highly recommend watching. I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you'd like to watch Hoop Dreams for yourself, I'm very pleased to say that you can find it on a large variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find it on Canopy. I recently discovered Canopy, and I'm excited to plug it here for the very first time, as I think it's a really awesome concept. Canopy is a service funded completely by the public library system, and is free for any public library members or students. There are also no ads, and their catalog is very impressive. I highly recommend checking it out. Apart from Canopy, you can also find Hoop Dreams on the Criterion channel. The Criterion channel is a streaming service with tremendous value from our friends at the Criterion Collection. The Criterion channel offers a rich catalog with pricing options of $10.99 per month or $99 per year, which is what I chose to do. You can also watch Hoop Dreams on services including Peacock, YouTube, Voodoo, Crackle, Tubi, Pluto TV, Prime Video, Plex, and Freebie if you subscribe to those services. Lastly, you can also find it on Google Play and Apple TV for $2.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, visit our website at glazecinema.com. There, you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.